This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time. Time for Silver and Black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back, Raider Nation. It is time for another edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Scott Goldbranson, Mo Moulton with you. Thanks for being with us. Do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe. We're here to talk about Raider football. And, geez, what happened yesterday? The rosters reduced to 80. And were there surprises? Not really, Mo, as I bring Mo in here now. Uh, Maybe the Kenyon Drake release, which we knew about the day before. But overall, we're going to get into this. We're going to go through roster changes for this Raiders team and we're also going to discuss possibilities of coming up. And, of course, the next cutdown's the big one. And uh, definitely starting to see some more movement on the wire with the NFL and with acquisitions. And to talk about it with me, as he always is, Mo Moten. He is national writer for Bleacher Report, covering the entire NFL. He's also the Raiders columnist for SportsNot.com. Mo, uh, Kenyon Drake, we've been talking about it for a couple weeks here, and sure enough, we thought maybe, just maybe, they might be able to get a trade where they have to eat some money, but instead, they said goodbye to Kenyon Drake, who was not very happy, didn't feel like he had a fair shake in Las Vegas. Yeah, and I would partially agree with him, because if you think about it, the, the Raiders signed Brandon Bolden. He didn't play a snap in the preseason. And Mm -hmm. there were a lot of people saying, how is Brandon Bolden say he's a 32-year-old running back? And my answer to them was, he's been with Josh McDaniel since 2012. He he usually doesn't play a huge role out of the backfield. He had a decent role last year because James White got hurt, so he had that pass-catching role on third down. But typically, he's your core special teamer on the roster. And Josh McDaniels, again, has been with him since 2012, so he trusts him in that role. Uh, I would compare him to a Matthew Slater, who's a special teams mm. captain on the Patriots now. I think Brandon Bowles is going to be that for the Raiders. But um, he's he's going to be safe. And I, we've been saying for the past couple of weeks now that Amir Abdullah is going to have the James White role, the pass catching down role. And I laid it out yesterday on, I believe, Monday, that at the top of the depth chart, you're going to have Josh Jacobs. It's Amir White beer, one-two punch in the run game. No doubt about it. And... Uh, we look at the other transactions. Uh, Kenyon Drake, of course, you just mentioned. Chris Jones, cornerback, was 
released, waived was Chris Lacey, wide receiver, who uh, just didn't stick out amongst that that really uh, talented group. The Raiders also waived in, to the injured list cornerback Craven LeBlanc. And, of course, we had the trade. Mullins to the Vikings for a seventh-round pick if he plays in the regular season uh, and is active in the regular season, I think, as well. So, so Mo, when you look at the total, again, we weren't totally surprised by this. We weren't expecting some big, massive things. So Kenyon Drake, that story obviously was a big one. And I think that's where people get caught up. And I saw a lot of fans in Raider Nation talking about, well, Kenyon Drake, he's good. Why are we cutting him? we got to pay him all that money. The money doesn't matter when a team is trying to build and a team comes in with a new regime, a new GM, a new coach. They don't really care what they inherited. They just want to put the roster together according to their system that's going to give them the best chance to win. doesn't mean Kenyon Drake's not a good player. It just means for what they want to do right now, there wasn't a fit there. A lot of people ask me, why would the Raiders let him go if they're going to have to pay him anyway? And they're going to have to pay him $3.6 million in dead money, and there's, I believe, $1.1 million for the next three years, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they're going to have to pay him, and, and people say, well, if you're going to have to pay him anyway, just keep him. And I say, if he's on the roster and they have no plan for him, why would you take that roster space away from someone who you're going to use? That's why you let a player like that go for $3.6 million, even though you got to pay him, because you don't want to take that space away from someone else elsewhere in a roster where that 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 space can be used so this is why they parted ways from of course even he had a tweet i believe Justina anderson talked to him and he even knew he said well with my contract no one was going to trade for me and he understood mm-hmm. that and i think a lot of other people understood that with, with the bad contract that gruden and his regime gave him that there was no moving him it was either you cut him or you keep him and the raise decide to move on yeah it, it's <laughs> It's interesting because you, we, we thought maybe, you know, if somebody was out there and needed him, but yeah, the contract just made it impossible in the end for him to be moved anywhere and he'll find a spot and the Raiders can recoup some of the money there if he's signed as well, uh, as you talked about from, from what they're on the line for there. Um, looking at the Nate Mullins trade, let's go back to that, Mo. Uh, that one, not a surprise. I mean, it's a surprise that he was traded. We, we've thought all along that Jared Stidham, because of his familiarity with the coach, with the system, and he's played well, let's face it, that he had kind of locked up that number two spot. It certainly appeared that way with as much as he was playing. Now they move Mullins, um, and so now you get the sense with Josh McDaniels, clearly, that he's going with the two quarterbacks, and uh, whether or not, uh, I I don't think Gabers uh, Gabers is the guy they're going to put on the practice squad. Maybe they do. Maybe they sign somebody else for the practice squad as a quarterback, or they don't because of that that running back room and because of that wide receiver room. But what does that say when you have a guy like Mullins, who is a little more experienced, had definitely had more game experience than Stidham, uh, but Stidham has just really come in and I think did a good job and probably been very good for Derek Carr as an ear. Yeah, let's just get one thing straight. Garbage is not going to make the roster. <laughs> the, the Raiders are not going to carry three quarterbacks. Yeah. But um, but Mullins, I think what happened, and I pointed this out in a recent Sports Not article, Mullins actually played well against the Vikings. So the mm-hmm. Vikings apparently like what they saw. And I think even though Kellen Munn moved the ball, I think he still has issues processing in the pocket. He's still a young quarterback. So I believe Kevin O'Connell, who's the head coach of the Vikings, wanted a more proven backup just in case something happens to Kirk Cousins. So that explains their interest in Mullins. As you mentioned, he has game experience. He's played a ton of games with the 49ers, played with the Browns last year, I believe. So he has a starting experience there. Uh, as far as Jared, Jared Stidham is concerned, 
if you kept the preseason, he's made some strides because he didn't really play well when he had his time with the Patriots. Of course, he didn't take a snap last season, started the year on the pup list, but ne again, never, never got on the field to play because Mac Jones took all the snaps. But he's apparently developed under Josh McDaniels, and I think him being in that system for a few years now, you're starting to see the development with him. And just in case, we hope it doesn't happen, but just in case Derek Cross missed some snaps, Jared Stim can come in and run that offense efficiently. No doubt. And and you just have to, again, in the NFL, you have to be thinking about, even though Derek Carr just signed that deal, Mo, you have to be thinking about the next quarterback. Uh, and is it Jared Stidham? I don't know. But certainly, you know, in, in a league where people don't allow players to develop like they used to, Josh McDaniels knows him. He's worked with him. He trusts him clearly. And so if, if for example, people forget with the Derek Carr deal, they can walk away from it after this year the Raiders. I'm not saying they're going to. I think Derek Carr is going to have a great year. I'm just saying if something were to go south, they could easily cut ties next year uh, and have a quarterback there who knows the system, who, who knows the coach, and be ready to go. So it makes a lot of sense uh, with that as well. And 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 for the future, uh, of maybe he's your guy. Maybe he's a bridge quarterback in the future. Maybe he's your guy for the future. Who knows? But clearly, uh, that's the guy that they're going to stick with. And you're right. I don't think they're going for three. Um Okay, so the one thing now, we, we've seen all these cuts around the league. We've seen some trade rumors pop up between the Patriots and Raiders. The Patriots have shot down that trade rumor, we think. But if you know Bill Belichick, a lot of times he'll say, no, nothing's going on, and there is something going on. Let's look at that situation, Mo. When you look at the waiver wire so far with these cuts, uh, and, of course, the veteran free agents still out there, the Raiders are they finally going to address the offensive tackle position or based on what we heard from practice um, yesterday in, in Las Vegas and, and today on how that offensive line has been playing with uh, Illuminor on the right side and Parham on the right and the left guard, it seems like they're going with a different mix here, but I still think, I know you think they got to have a veteran there. Yeah, and I think that's probably going to happen after final roster cuts. Uh, maybe McDaniels maybe McDaniels and, and Ziegler have their eye on a specific player or maybe a couple players or a few players that they think might be available late August, early September. And that's probably what they're holding out for. In the meantime, I think they're starting to feel comfortable with, with Jermaine Illuminar being their starting right tackle. And on, on Twitter, at Mo Moten, my pinned tweet says it. I, I said this a uh, week and a half ago. Jermaine Illuminar is the best option for the Raiders at right tackle. And finally, as I said, finally, it's starting to seem like they're going in that direction because at practice on Tuesday, uh, Jermaine Illuminar lined up at right tackle in 11 on 11, 7 on 7. So seemed to be trending in that direction for him. Well, and then going uh, with Parham, it sounds like he's kind of emerged and he they stuck him in at left guard which would be right next to Colton Miller. They really like this kid. They've moved him around a lot during camp. He's performed pretty good at spots. Of course, he's had his moments. He's even been in there at center and done okay there. Uh, how how much does he how much does he fit in at that left guard? Is he a guy that you think can start there, or are they going to go to somebody else and and turn to a veteran like Simpson there? Two things here. And to answer your question, yes, I think he can start at left guard. I said when he was drafted, I think the the easy, not easiest, but the fastest track for him to start would be at guard because I didn't think he would displace Andre James, even though some Raider fans aren't sold on Andre James yet. I felt like his best chance to start would have been at guard. He played his first two years at left guard at Memphis. Then he moved to, I believe, right tackle. 
and then play right guard. So, yes, he has experience there. So them plugging him in there at left guard makes sense. But what I will say in that in that Dolphins game, the Raiders' offensive line didn't pass protect well. So it makes sense mm-hmm. that they would want to shake it up there. It wasn't I know a lot of people want to talk about how bad Alex Leatherwood was, but he wasn't the only one. John Simpson struggled. Andre James struggled. Lester Cotton Sr., they all struggled to pass protect against the Dolphins. So it makes sense that the Rays would shake it up in these joint practices with the Patriots just to see what they have in Parham, who could play guard or center, and Luminar, who has the experience at right tackle. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I think everybody has been so focused on a couple guys like Leatherwood, of course, at the same time, that entire line, to your point of pass protection, really struggled against Miami. And if I'm a coach, that scares me because you're now into your third game and you're having trouble pass protecting. You haven't put the guy back there who you're going to have as your starting quarterback, so you start to get nervous. So, so totally get that. Um, but you look at the construction of that line again, and and it's interesting. We talked about earlier in one of our mailbag shows we had – um, one of our, our listeners talk about scheming around the offensive line. I just think, though, that they you, you, you could scheme around it to a certain extent, but you still need to get those guard positions solidified. You need to get the, your center playing well. Um, at this point, Mo, people keep saying not to panic, right? And I don't think the word is panic, but it's a serious issue, and I think that the, I think that the team is realizing it, and I think you're right. I think waiting till final cuts – they're going to have an opportunity to sign some guys that they don't have today. But how big of a deal, if you're a fan sitting out there, Mo, how should people feel about this? You know, a couple of weeks ago we said, yeah, don't push the panic button yet. Don't be too concerned yet. We'll see how it shakes out. But now we're two weeks more down the line uh, with just a couple until the season starts. Where are you from a concern level at this point now with that offensive line? I would put my concern level between a six and a seven right now. I'm not okay. panicking yet, but as I wrote in my sports not article that Monday, it is one of my top concerns, the pass protection, not just Leatherwood, not just the right tackle position, not just the right side of the offensive line, but pass protection in general. The Raiders have had some pass protection issues throughout the preseason, and they got their first taste to go, go up against starting capital players with the Dolphins because even though they sat Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, the Dolphins had some stars out there on defense, and you got to see – starting caliber players against the offensive line that you might put out there week one minus Colton Miller, and it didn't look good. So, again, you don't want to hit the panic button, but you want to say maybe we have to shake things up. And I, and, and that's why I say having a Luminar at right tackle makes sense because he has the experience. He's reliable. You can trust in him. No, he's not a all-pro or pro bowl offensive lineman, but you can rely on him as a placeholder for just this year. And just putting in – Parham at guard makes sense because he has the experience there. You want to see what he has just in case you don't feel too comfortable with John Simpson. So the Raiders do have options there, but like you, I want to see better quality if you're going to protect Derek Carr for the, for the entire season. No doubt. Um, Mo, we didn't get a chance to talk to you after the game the other night because you were on assignment for Bleacher Report, but coming out of that Miami game, what else concerned you uh, looking at it? We saw, we, we heard Coach McDaniels talk about uh, the lack of, of wrapping up. You talked about uh, Darian Butler, your guy, saying that most likely now you don't feel he'll make the team because he's had trouble with that. We've seen a little bit of that throughout that Raider linebacking core and in the defensive backfield. Jonathan Abram played pretty well against Miami, as did Rocky Sin in the limited action he saw as well as your guy, Anthony Averett. So 
when you look at that, though, how concerned are you with that defense and seeing some of that lapse in the ability to tackle uh, and and wrap up? Uh, and, and in this division in the AFC West, you're not going to be able to survive if you're not executing simple tackling. As far as the tackling and wrapping up, that can easily be coached up. Uh, mm -hmm. You just run some practices, and that's what you focus on, tackling and wrapping up. That's correct. That's correctable right there. My concern about the defense is the interior, and a lot of people are going to squint their eyes at me and say, why? Jonathan Hakins played well. He had a couple of stops on one drive. He looked great. Looks like he's in regular season form, and that's great and everything. That's the, half, uh, that's the glass half full outlook. But you look at it, if you're depending on one man to, to shore up your run defense, that's a problem. Because <laughs> Jonathan Hankins is only going to be on the field for maybe 50 to 60% of the snaps. It's not right. like a right tackle that's on the field all the time, taking 100% of the snaps as a starter. Your defensive linemen all rotate. So none, unless you're Aaron Donald or DeForest Buckner, you're not going to be on the field for more than 70% of the snaps. And, and Jonathan Hankins' snap count has dropped every year he's been with the Raiders slightly, not significantly, but slightly. He missed three games last year. But he's going to be on the field for, I would say, about 55 to 60 percent of the snaps. So when he comes off the field, what is your run defense going to look like? Now, I know Bilal Nichols didn't play, mm -hmm. but he's not considered a high-end run stuffer. Bilal Nichols is considered a guy who can play on all three downs and give you a little bit of both, run stuffing and pass rushing. Right. But the Raiders need another specialist as a run stopper because if Jonathan Hankins goes down, it could look a lot like it did against the Vikings in, in the, in the uh, second preseason game that they played in. Absolutely. And of course, Jared Jenkins came in, got injured. He's gone. Uh, that was a quick uh, try by D Dave Ziegler to get somebody in there. And of course, injury, you can't control that. It just happens. But but to me, I, I still think that that veteran on the offensive line, veteran on the inside on defense is it are glaring needs that they got to try to. And there should be guys out there. And that's where I'm saying they, they have the ability and the money to do it. Uh, and and I think there'll be some pretty good talent out there, and they need to address it. But but I think people for people people keep focusing on the edge, and I understand why. It's sexy. It's great. You got great players out there. Everybody loves Max Crosby, who a bunch of people are. I mean, the odds on favorite to get Player of the Year, Max Crosby, all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to have somebody inside. You have to be able to have that push. You have to stop the run. You have to have the push up the middle. And without it the Raiders could be doomed. I mean, it's to me, though, again, you win in the trenches, Mo, and you saw it. You saw both teams in the Super Bowl last year in that case, and, of course, the Rams, who have one of the best on the inside there as well. Quick point I want to make before you have our guest on. Um, mm -hmm. I, and I wrote about this. I think the edge is one of the underrated strengths of the Raiders' defense. Deshaun Bauer has played well. Someone asked me about mm -hmm. Deshaun Bauer in, the ch in a live chat one day, and I said, oh, he's a practice squad guy. And then I took a closer look at him throughout all three games. And I, and I can make the argument that he's had the best preseason of any Raiders defensive player. He He's legit, and I think he's going to make the roster. And then Malcolm Kuntz has also looked good. He's another guy who's had a great preseason. So the Raiders have the Raiders have depth on the edge behind Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. I'm not worried about their pass rushing. Again, it's the interior because they're going to need someone other than Jonathan Hankins to stop the run. And there's a, there's a guy out there. I know Raiders fans are not going to want to hear this. Some are not going to want to hear this. But Ndamukong Sue is available. I know the Raiders may not want to pay what he's asking for right now. I wouldn't want to pay $9 million for him either at his age. But if he doesn't like what he sees on the free agent market and he drops his price down to 6 to $7 million, I'm jumping on that. Yeah, or he can get what he wants because there's needs. And, and so then you got to decide if your need is great enough 
that you got to pay it because at the end of the day, if, if you got to pay it, you got to pay it. Right. I mean, if it's that, but now I would say offensive lineman's a bigger need, but not, I mean, I agree, Mo. We've been talking about this for months, the interior of the defense. <laughs> Have we not? I mean, we've talked about that, yes. that inside. Uh, and so, so it, it, it's still been a glaring issue. Now, a lot of fans want to beat up Dave Ziegler and Josh McDowell. Well, we knew about this. Why didn't we go out and do it? Well, it's a good question. At the same time, they felt as though they could coach those guys up. They, they put some trust and stock into Alex Leatherwood and into Brandon Parker and some of these guys, and it didn't pan out. So, uh, so far. So I think that's where it's going to be um, really interesting to see if they can get those guys to the level where they can at least be rotational players. Probably not, but we'll see. Uh, and then go out and find somebody because they're going to have to get it. Mo, real quick, before we go on, um, when you think about the Alex Leatherwood situation, you've been saying for weeks, if not months as well, that he'd be better suited to play guard. Um with what happened now with him being pulled out, how terribly he's looked at tackle, um, it doesn't seem like uh, they're willing to do that. It doesn't seem like they're willing to do that yet, but that may be the way to salvage his time, leftover time in Las Vegas, because he's obviously not progressing well at right tackle. And people were kind of pushing back on me when I suggested it, but if you look at it, he's played more games at right guard than he has at right tackle. And I felt like he had a couple or a few games after the Henry Ruggs tragedy where he actually looked decent as a guard. I'm not saying he looked like a Pro Bowl guard, but he had some decent performances, some decent stretches there where it looked like he was making progress at the position. And I said this. I know a lot of people want to beat up on Alex Leatherwood, but he's actually, if you look at him and you look at his games, he's actually a decent run blocker. And I think him moving inside. Now, he'll have to still straighten up his pass pro on the inside because you're going to go up against pass rushing defensive tackles. But he, he's a decent run blocker who could be on the inside. Yeah. And open up the run game for you if he if he moves uh, on the interior. Yeah, and I know a lot of fans. Oh, cut him, get rid of him. And I understand that you're still paying him though. So if you can try to get him in at guard, get him again as just a rotational guy until you run the contract out, or if that's if that's the end play, who knows? Then fine, do it. But but uh, this kind of hey, just get rid of him now doesn't make a lot of sense. All right, we are going to step aside for our first break. When we come back. We're going to be joined by Danny Heifetz, who's from TheRinger.com and also Spotify. We're going to talk about, are the Raiders all in? They have a new all-index. Get the wordplay, index. We're going to talk to Danny about that, and he ranked the Raiders. And not only are the Raiders in the top 10 of being all in, but three AFC West teams are there as well. So we're going to talk to Danny Heifetz when we come back. We'll get his view on the Raiders' commitment to winning here on Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere, anybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Thanks for being back with us. Do us a favor. Again, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Also, drop us a five-star review. I know you want to leave Mo a four and me a five, but just make it a five. We're, we're, we're good. You know, no, no, actually, it's probably the other way around. But anyway, we appreciate that. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Hit the notifications bell so you don't miss a new show. Uh, and uh, we will make sure that we get to it. By the way, we'll have another mailbag show tomorrow, uh, excuse me, Friday before the game, another new show tomorrow, uh, Thursday edition. We went a day later today due to the roster moves and all that stuff. We wanted to make sure we got that all in for you guys, so we appreciate that. So we will have shows today, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, including a post-game show after the Raiders uh, against the Patriots there from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. So uh, thanks for being with us. All right, we're going to jump in now, too, and we're going to ask the question, are the Raiders all in? Are they all in on this season uh, to win now? And to do that, we're going to bring in our good friend Danny Heifetz. From the, he covers the NFL for TheRinger.com and also Spotify. He's also the host of The Ringer's NFL show and the Ringers fantasy football show as well. So Dan, you got to get you got to get Mo ready to lose to me in our listener fantasy football league because I destroyed him in the draft already and I know it's just the draft, but we got a lot on the line. Well, in my experience, the more confident you are out of your draft, the worse your team is and the people who <laughs> win usually hate their draft. So, thank you Danny. There you thank go. you. Danny, man, I don't know. Come one of, on. One of our top guests already. That was a great open. I love that. You, you like Keep that me. one, huh, Mo? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay, so thanks, Danny. Now you gave him fodder. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> we appreciate you being with us. And we want to talk to you about this. I was fascinated to read your story. You guys went through and you created this index. And so I want you to first, from the, from the high level, tell everybody what the index is, how you put it together, and then we'll get into where the Raiders rank on that, and as well as some of the other AFC West teams because you have three of them there in the top eight. So tell us about the Ringer All Index. Yes, so thank you, Scott. So shameless plug, you can go to the ringer.com and read it, so you can scroll along if you want, if that helps. So the, the All Index is how all-in every team is for this season. We've heard it a thousand times that the Rams went all-in and won the Super Bowl last year, right? They traded away all their draft picks, seven straight first-rounders they traded away. They signed all these good players. They pushed all their debt into the future, basically put all their chips in the middle of the table to try and win last year, and they did. They successfully won the Super Bowl. So we kind of started thinking at the ringer, okay, if the Rams are putting all their chips in the middle of the table, how much are these other teams, the other 31 squads, all gambling that they can win? How much are they borrowing from the future to win today? So we wanted to kind of create this all index, ranking everyone from 1 to 32, really asking 
how much of the future are teams borrowing from to win today? The Rams are number one. The Houston Texans are last. And we wanted to see where everyone is in the middle. That was our idea. The Raiders ranked eighth. But as you said, the AFC West was very clearly the most all in. The team, it, it definitely, the price of admission, or I guess really how tall you got to be to get on the roller coaster is certainly the tallest in the AFC West. There is no question about that. Yeah, no, fascinating stuff. But but talk too about so so putting your your chips on. I mean, we everybody knows about the Rams, right? They have no draft picks until Mo has grandkids, I think. So <laughs> it's it's like forever. Um, but I want to ask you this question: doing this index and knowing sort of how the NFL has has progressed over the years, is this something we're going to see more of? Are because coaches, GMs. Look, if they don't get, if they don't win and win now, a lot of them are shown the door quickly. We see it all over the league. We even see it in college football now. Are you thinking that this is going to be more of the norm, or is it something that certain teams will do uh, because they're in a close and small window? Or where do you what do you think about that? What's your opinion? So I think that the answer is yes, but it's not going to be ubiquitous you know it's easy to forget you know the rams almost lost the super bowl and the rams would be pr look pretty incredible if the rams did all this and lost to the cincinnati Bengals of all teams and then they might look really <laughs> dumb so that's important to remember and the sustainable excellence that you see in teams like the patriots the ravens the steelers that's not going anywhere but you are going to see more teams doing this and to be clear what the all index measures teams really have two kinds of resources right to get players draft picks and money so half the all index is how teams are spending their money and half measures draft picks so for example when the Raiders trade away a first round pick and a second round pick to acquire Devontae Adams, in our all index, that's shooting the Raiders up because they're mm. trading away a first and a second round pick, getting a 29 year old receiver back. That's obviously a move focused on the present to be paying a great player now a premium price instead of getting a high upside player at a discount. So that's what the all index means. In terms of league wide, unfortunately, the way the NFL rules work for the Raiders fans is it's easier for teams to do financially all in, which it's a lot of accounting rules I won't bore you with, but the, <laughs> the nuts and bolts of it is, if you have a lot of money, liquid, to spend up front, you're actually kind of rewarded with that and able to push your debt into the future. It's like inflation, but in the NFL salary cap, no one cares about the accounting. What actually matters is that Mark Davis doesn't have as much money as other owners do, but the Broncos just got bought by the Walmart family. And so the Broncos now have $70 billion basically as a bankroll, mm -hmm. which I think is probably 15 times more money than like the Chargers, the Raiders and the Chiefs families combined. So it's not like the one of the reasons the Rams were able to do this is because Stan Kroenke owns the Rams has so much freaking money because mm -hmm. he's married also to a Walmart, the other one of the other Walmart heirs. So I think that's the immediate challenge you guys have is that the Rams uh, model is used by Denver. That would be scary to me. Danny, as a fellow writer over at Bleacher Report, I just, I'm just curious, how long did it take you to put this together? Because there's a lot of calculating. There's some math involved here. There's just a lot going on. There's a lot of facts. And I, and I know I, I can appreciate a comprehensive column like this being done. And the second part of this question is, if you were the GM of the Raiders, is this the same approach you would have taken, the more aggressive approach? Let's say it's not Devontae Adams and you know signing him or acquiring him and then extending him, but... If you were to GM hire by the Raiders, would you have gone with the aggressive, the all-in aggressive approach, or would you have said, okay, the, the division is going to be very competitive. Let us let us rebuild. Because fans of the Raiders and the Raiders fans were thinking, are the Raiders going to re-up and get players and win now, or are they just going to kind of rebuild and take a step back with the division being very competitive? So that's a great question. I'll I'll take the first one first. So I, first of all, I have to shout out my, my fellow 
I, I, I co-authored this story with Riley McAtee, who's a ringer uh, editor. We really can't kind of came up with this idea along with uh, Megan Schuster, who's also an editor at the ringer. We kind of worked on it for six months. Riley did all, all the fancy math is Riley. <laughs> Riley's working on like I, I kind of we had a lot of input on the financials because it's a little more complicated to figure out what numbers matter and don't. But Riley's like the whiz. But it took us a, quite a few months to really put this together. So I promise there's a lot of work went into it and we're not just shooting from the hip here. To your question about would you build a team this way, I actually am kind of going to answer this your question backward, but I think it's the right answer, which your question is basically saying, if I were the GM, would I be going all in to compete in the AFC West? I want to flip your question on its head. If you're interviewing with Mark Davis to get this job and one candidate is saying, we can compete with the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Broncos, here's my plan. And the other candidate saying, we can't compete with them. You know, we don't have the foundation. These picks from Gruden, you know, that guy you paid all that money and all these picks you made, kind of a waste. We should start over. Who are you going to hire? The guy's going to all in to win now. Definitely. Yes. So I don't, <laughs> I, I just don't think that you're going in with that pitch. Like, unless you're taking over, you know, the I mean, obviously Dave Ziegler came from the Patriots. Nick Casario, who also came from the Patriots, going to get the Texans job, you could probably pitch a whole rebuild there. The Raiders, they're right in that middle ground, right? So I think that you kind of had to be aggressive. And also, let's be real. Like, it's football. It's competitive. All the, You don't get to this level of the professional care what you do as a coach, as a quarterback, as a defender, as a player, unless you are competitive in your bones. Who wants to yeah. look at the Chiefs? Who wants to look at the Chargers and just be like, no, we can't do that. The Broncos are awful last year. Who cares that they have Russell Wilson? The Raiders beat the Chargers to knock them out of the playoffs. You're going to just roll out. Like, and the Chiefs, obviously, the Chiefs have rocked you guys for quite some time. But they traded away Tyreek Hill. They got rid of Hill. You're adding Adams. It's like, no, you have to try. And so, I, to be honest with you, I don't think it's going to work. But you, 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 you can't look at what is ultimately this kind of arms race and not participate. Although I do kind of wonder if they're bringing a gun to a bazooka fight. <laughs> well talk talk about that though daddy because you you had in that top eight to you the chargers and the broncos and you just mentioned the broncos becoming the walmart family uh um jewel crown uh a crown jewel again and and when you look at that situation you look at those teams you look at the division you look what the chiefs lost and what they're doing what is it because we get a lot of raider fans who of course um always think that the raiders aren't the last team in the division but we also hear from a lot of folks, a lot of our colleagues like you who think, well, geez, you know, they're just not there yet. What is it about this Raiders team in the mix of those other three that gives you pause that think that makes you think that they are the fourth best team or somewhere around there? So I, I think that John Gruden botched this offensive line is number one. I think mm -hmm. that you're in it. Like, obviously the easy thing to talk about here is quarterbacks, but you're in a division where the Chargers obviously, I mean, lost to the Raiders in that game. It was very, very close. It was an incredible game, honestly. But the Chargers fixed all those holes, right? The Chargers fixed the defensive line. They added Khalil Mack to go with Joey Bosa. And so I'm kind of wondering, what does that game look like now entering this season? You know, the, the Broncos, you know, they added Randy Gregory. Uh, the Broncos overall defense, their secondary is pretty incredible. And so I, I'm kind of concerned about the Raiders offensive line holding up. And then also, I thought it was really interesting that the Raiders gave Derek Carr this new contract. And in on paper, or maybe the headline you read was three years, like $120 million. That is not the deal that mm -hmm. the Raiders gave the, <laughs> Derek Carr at all. Derek, I can't believe he saw, he put his name on this contract. Derek Carr got like a $4 million raise, but like 
Der- the Raiders can cut Derek Carr next year and take like a $5 million hit. And it, I, yeah. I mean, it, the Ra- it's kind yeah. of like the Raiders basically r- wrote a note to their landlord letting them know <laughs> that we might move out next month if we want to. <laughs> like that is contractually, that's what the Raiders did. And so what that tells me is it's kind of like Josh McDaniels wants to take Derek Carr for a test drive because this is not the kind of contract, like whatever Josh McDaniels said in the interview, you don't give Derek Carr this contract if you believe. And so I'm a big believer and you don't want to really want to listen to what coaches and GMs say. You want to listen to what they do. And the contract they gave Derek Carr means they're not convinced. Like they can say whatever they want. I don't care. You just get like when you basically structured deal to get out next year you're not a believer and that makes me pretty hesitant in what is otherwise like arguably the most competitive division in in our lifetime it's so funny you said it, danny because scott just mentioned that today that if things go awry for whatever reason they can just move on from Derek Carr and not take a big hit and it's funny you brought that up it's a big point to make and a lot of Raiders fans don't want to hear it but it's the truth but I wanted to ask you about before you put this together, was there any team that you were surprised where they were on 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 this chart, whether it's the top or the bottom? Because I, you can agree with me or not, but I look at the Ravens as kind of an aggressive team when they make their moves. I remember they acquired Marcus Peters, I believe from the Rams, and they're a team that they'll make shrewd moves that make sense, not necessarily spending a lot or giving up a lot. But I look at them as an aggressive team, so I was kind of surprised to see them at the bottom. But I know your, you know, your mathematics and everything checks out. But were you surprised by any team's place on this uh, index? I, I was certainly surprised by a lot with the Ravens specifically. I think that the fact that they've saved money, um, really, to kind of the Lamar Jackson contract not being signed yet, right? Definitely like factors in the ranking they'll shoot up. But also, I think that it's an excellent question because what shocked me was certain. Certain teams being not where you think, right? So again, when we're saying all in, we're like, how are teams doing everything they can to try to win now? Like, are they borrowing from future? What's interesting is, the, you know, you have group one is basically good teams that are trying to win, right? The Rams, the Broncos, the Browns, for better or worse. Like those teams obviously are very good now and are using a lot of the future resources to get better. Then you have the opposite. You know, teams like the Houston Texans, who are terrible, the Bears, who are terrible, and they're acting like they're terrible, right? They're not trying to win now. They're trying to win later. They're getting future draft picks, all that stuff, not spending that much money. That also makes sense. The interesting is the delusional teams, uh, <laughs> like the Carolina Panthers ranking like <laughs> yeah. the Buffalo Bills. That's unbelievable. I mean, the, the Panthers are basically at the same score the Bills do, and that's what happens when you waste a second-round pick to get Sam Darnold. And then after one year, you give up on him, but he's still your highest paid player this year. And then this year, you trade up. You basically trade a future third round pick to get Matt Corral from Ole Miss. Don't play him in the first week of the preseason. And then basically when he does, he actually ends up getting hurt. But even before he got hurt this week, he's probably going to miss the year. Matt Corral was going to be like their fourth quarterback. That's what happens when you're a bad team. Uh, The Saints are kind of delusional. But then the other quadrant is actually, I would say, the most interesting conversation in the NFL, which is. The teams that are reloading that are really good. So the Packers trading away Devontae Adams to you guys. The Chiefs trading away Tyreek Hill and getting an extra first rounder and choosing not to pay Tyreek Hill the money that Tyreek Hill got. The Packers obviously choosing not to pay Devontae. And then like the Baltimore Ravens trading away Marquise Brown, getting a first rounder. What's interesting is all those teams are either playoff or playoff caliber or Super Bowl caliber teams. Obviously the Packers and Chiefs and the Ravens when they're healthy are probably all Super Bowl contenders. And those teams not going all in and actually doing the opposite. They're saying, we're going to double down on our Super Bowl window by reinvesting a first-round pick and getting more picks. Because we, the Chiefs believe every year they have Patrick Mahomes, they'll probably be in it. 
the Chiefs just went all in, but they have to kind of sow the seeds, right? You kind of let mm. a, maybe a field lie fallow for a year so that you can, you know, otherwise you're, you're going to waste up all the nutrients in the soil. The Chiefs kind of did that for the beginning of the Mahomes run, and now they have to resow. The Packers did that. They went all in and they had to cut Zedarius Smith. They had to cut a bunch of people. They're resowing the field for the next four years, that huge Rodgers contract he signed. And what's interesting is the Ravens doing the same thing. So, mm-hmm. It's such a different thing than what's going on in the AFC West where the Broncos pillaging their picks to get Russell Wilson. The Raiders, obviously, first and second for a receiver. It's uh, it's very interesting to see which teams are trying to be sustainably good at the cost of if you come up short, you're always going to wonder, could we have done more versus in the future when you're you know maybe not as good as you were a couple of years in 2024? You're like, oh, man, should we have used that pick? So it's just to each their own. There you go. So not only are we getting math from Danny, but now we're getting agriculture, which is phenomenal. <laughs> so it just shows the depth of the knowledge there with Danny Heifetz. Uh, Danny, before we let you go, a little wild card here, because, you know, we, Mo and I are always interacting with Raider Nation since we cover the team. And many of them are really upset and can't understand why the story of Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski being this close to signing with the Raiders is still a story. Would you explain to people why the media around the country too is talking about it? Because it is pretty remarkable that he almost signed and not a surprise that John Gruden poo-pooed it. Uh, it's a story because, I mean, it's incredible. And and sometimes it's never fun when these stories are making fun of your own. Dude, I, I root for the Giants. Like, it, it, it's never fun <laughs> to be the bunch of bag. I mean, from Odell Beckham on the boat to everything that happened with Joe Judge, I understand it's not fun to be the laughing stock. The Giants did a quarterback sneak on third and nine last year. I get it. <laughs> this is an incredible story. I'm sure that Derek Raiders fans, I know Derek Carr gets a lot of crap. I give Derek Carr heat. Like, I, I, I you know, I'm, but. It's incredible that Tom Brady referred to Derek Carr as, you know, I don't know if I can curse on this, but you know what he said? Yeah. Uh, I also think that this is an under-told story. I think that maybe locally, maybe people are sick of it, but when you actually, sometimes when story or drip drip, casual fans, it's pretty difficult to put all the pieces together. And I think that this story kind of coming out now, and I don't know if I'm going to call it confirmed, but it feels pretty confirmed if you put together what Gronk and Dana White talked about with what Brady has already said publicly I mean, it's astonishing. I mean, it's an astonishing thing to think that John Gruden's ego, which, you know, for whatever you want to say, I mean, the fact that John Gruden turned down the Brady stuff, I I, I mean, sometimes things, you know, maybe seem a little too neat, but, you know, it kind of seems like a control issue to some degree as if Tom Brady coming in would want to do things his way. Uh, And then Brady going and winning the Super Bowl anyway. I mean, it's kind of like an NFL Mad Libs. (laughs) <laughs> made for like internet SEO. Oh it's unbelievable. Gosh. Yeah, it, yeah, it is crazy. And it's, uh, it's a story that many aren't surprised by actually, cause it was, it was rumored and talked about in Las Vegas last year or in 2020, I should say. And people were very quick to say, no, that's not, that can't happen. That's impossible. That's impossible. So the fact that it's out there again is really remarkable. But Danny Heifetz, thank you for joining us again. Ringer.com covers the NFL, also up on Spotify. Make sure you listen to his shows, which are the Ringer NFL show and, of course, the Fantasy Football Show as always, too. So, Danny, thanks, man. We'll get, uh, we'll get you back on this season, I am sure. We always appreciate you taking the time. Thank you appreciate for having it. me. I appreciate it. And, Mo, I'm rooting for you in the Fantasy League. <laughs> oh, <laughs> appreciate you, Danny. He's been talking oh. crap to me. Since the draft. And I'm just like, Scott, Yahoo grades mean absolutely nothing. Nothing. <sighs> by the way, Yahoo. he had by the way, he had the first pick in the draft, so he should be <laughs> out of the curve.
I didn't want the <laughs> first pick. I hate the first pick. Uh, but by the way, our producer, David Stepanian, who you know, Danny, is also in the league. He'll probably end up winning, and Mo and I will be sitting there uh, crying our tears away. So anyway, well, but you thank guys you, hit man. me up whatever for any advice or any players, and I'll make sure to give all the good advice to Mo, and I'll just feed like the fake advice to you, Scott. <laughs> thank you. We, we will. We'll have, we're doing we're doing a fantasy segment every week, so we'll have you on for that one too. I'm sure it'll be Definitely. good. Definitely. Perfect. Thank you, guys. All right, Danny. Thanks Appreciate so much, you. man. All right, there you go. Danny Heifetz from TheRinger.com and Spotify. Fantasy football ridiculousness aside, um, Mo, interesting with the all-in index. I mean, I think I think that you've seen that. We, we know the stories of the Rams. You talked about what the Ravens have done being very aggressive and what the Raiders. Um, and I know some fans won't like what Danny said about the Raiders, right? He, they, they won't necessarily like the fact that he said that they might be uh, in, in a bazooka fight with a gun instead of a bazooka. But um, interesting there, and and certainly his point about the coaches interviewing and Josh McDaniels coming in and interview. You're not going to come in and say, "Well, yeah, we can't compete." You're going to come in and say, "We can compete." And and the Raiders sort of need to do that. It's going to be fun to watch how it all pans out. And I thought that was a great answer he provided about the interview because, and he said it too. He said he pay, and I do the same as a as an NFL analyst and writer. I do the same thing. Co- coaches and GMs will say a whole bunch of things. They'll tell you. They can get you the world. They can get you this, and we're going to do this and this and that. But you got to pay attention to what they're doing. When he talked about Derek Carr's contract. Now, I don't expect the Reds to move on from Derek Carr because, like you, I think he's going to have a pretty good 2020 season, 2022 season. But, as I said, and as we brought up multiple times, if something goes on, if they don't like what they see out there, they can move on. I'm going to reiterate, I don't think that's going to happen. But the contract is set up to that they have their options after this year based on what happens in 2022. And he brought that up and I, I'm not going to speak for him, but as he mentioned briefly, he's, he said, you know, looks like they bring in a, a, you know, a gun to a bazooka fight. Now, a lot of people may, may agree. And it sounds like if it, if it is that scenario, Mm -hmm. maybe they regret going all in, even though Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziggler had to come in the door and say, look, we're going all in to try to compete with the chiefs and the Broncos and the Chargers Cause you kind of have to say to sell yourself and to sell your vision. But if, if the Raiders, let's say the Raiders finish seven and 10 this year. Yeah. Then you're probably looking at, okay, do we keep the quarterback? Do we make some major oh, changes? Do we take changes. a step back and reload? You know, so that's a conversation we had down the line. But as of now, as of this year, I think it was mm-hmm. the right decision, as he said, to go all in because you, you kind of have to. You kind of have to. And and you guys all heard it here. Mo said Derek Carr's done. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, some people will hear that. They, they tuned out yep. as soon as you started talking about it. Uh, yep. But nonetheless, but yeah, and, and I think that that's the key is if you had not gone all in, then what you're doing is you're, to me, it's five years because the way the Chiefs mm-hmm. are, the way the Chargers are, the way the Broncos have improved, you fall you fall farther back. And if you fall mm-hmm. farther back in that division, what are you going to do? Then you start looking at two and three win seasons if you really uh, go down lean and go very young. Uh, and suddenly uh, you're in a new location, you're in a new stadium, you're in a new city, you've got a fan base that's hungry after 30 years. Not a good mix, so I fully understand what they did. Okay, we are going to take our final break here on Silver and Black today. When we come back, we're going to do a little bit of this and that. We're going to touch on a bunch of different subjects. We might talk about Tom Brady again, just to annoy those people who don't like talking about Tom Brady, my good friend Kevin Wynn out there, um, and others. But we will 
just do a little round robin and get loose and and talk a little bit about that. Also, reminder, a new show again tomorrow. And then on Friday, Friday morning, we'll have our mailbag show, which has become very popular. And we continue to get international email uh, on the show with questions from O and I. So we'll answer those. And then on Friday night, we have a post-game show as the Raiders line up for their final preseason game at home against the Patriots. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We'll be back right after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Thanks for being with us, Raider Nation. We appreciate you. We are here every week, usually Tuesday, Thursday, post-game. And then we drop a mailbag uh, uh, episode as well. This week, we went to Wednesday just because of roster cuts on Tuesday. When we get into the regular season, uh, it'll it'll normalize and we'll have that schedule again, but we certainly appreciate you. And we are just completely blown away by the response we've had since moving over to Odyssey. And uh, thank you all for doing that. The, the, the reviews you're le- leaving up on iTunes and the, anywhere you get your podcast and subscribe to it, just phenomenal. Uh, we appreciate you doing that and certainly are excited about having you guys back here every episode. Don't forget, subscribe. Thank you so much. Also, hey, I got I to gotta do a, a, a shame... Uh, a shameless plug, Rock Mysteries, a podcast I host. Talk about music. It's good stuff. Check it out. Make sure you do. Make sure you also check out Mo up on Bleacher Report and Sports Not if you like to read about the Raiders and read stuff that's fair, impartial. It's not silver and black colored glasses. He doesn't call us we. He doesn't call us us. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He'll give you the truth. And and like Jack Nicholson, if you can't handle the truth, you can't handle the truth. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but nonetheless, that's where we're at. So follow him on Twitter. Also, at, at, yeah, go. Also, fantasy football jam is gonna be coming out every week from here on out. Ah. I dropped an article on Monday. Uh, players you should target at the end of your draft, and on Tuesday I dropped another column of Bleacher for players that are undervalued but should be picked in the early rounds of the draft. So you gotta check those out over on Bleacher Report. There you go. See. Uh, but anyway, Patriots are in Las Vegas all week for joint practices with the Raiders. And we heard Bill Belichick talk about, yeah, this is a great place. Uh, this is the Taj Mahal. Anyway, that, he was talking about the Raiders facilities and glowing about them and, and, and the such. But then, all of a sudden, Isaiah Wynn 
is an offensive lineman, and the Raiders need an offensive lineman. Rumor pops out as soon as they land in Vegas. Mo, I don't think it's any accident. The rumor pops out, huh, Isaiah Wynn might be available. Hmm. The Raiders need an offensive line. They're there. They get to see him all week. Then the Patriots shoot it down, which is going to happen anyway. That always happens. But, Mo, Isaiah Wynn, talk about him as a player. Is he a guy that could slot in at right tackle for this Raider team? And would he, if they did make a move for him, not saying they're going to, but if he did, would that solve the problem in your mind at right tackle? The answer is yes. Now let's move on to the next question. No, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> no, but <laughs> there are people who push back on me, and I understand everything is going to get pushed back on Twitter because Isaiah Wynn um, played mostly left tackle for the Patriots, but they were planning to move him to the right side because they felt like he struggled a bit, a little bit on the left side, and they preferred Trent Brown on the left at left tackle. So they were going to flip their tackles. Trent Brown had originally played on the right side, and Isaiah went on the left. But um, he played guard at Georgia and tackle at Georgia. And then, as I said, left tackle for the Patriots. And they were going to play him on the right side this year. So he has a lot of versatility. So he could probably plug him in at guard or right tackle. Now, people say, well, he gets injured a lot. And I made this note on Twitter. He has missed 30 games in his first three years. I get that. But it comes down to what's the cost for him. Mm -hmm. I believe he's owed a little more than $10 million on the final year of his contract. But when I say cost, what are the Patriots willing to take for him? So, like, let's say the Patriots say, okay, give us a, a third-round pick for Isaiah Wynn. I'm taking that because oh, yeah. the Raiders have a lot of cap space, and you can absorb his $10 million, $10-plus million contract just to get an upgrade for your offensive line because if you can get Isaiah Wynn for 12 games, that's better than what you have right now. So it comes down to what the Patriots are willing to accept in a deal for him not, oh, is he, we should just leave him alone because he's injury prone. Now, are you, so that means you're okay with Brandon Parker, who we don't know when he's coming back. That means you're okay with Mumford, who hasn't practiced since he got hurt last week. You know, I, I, I like Illuminar, but he's a placeholder. Right. And if Isaiah Wynn is healthy, that's an upgrade. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because I want to know that if Dave Ziegler is going to think about this move, is he going to poll fans to make his decision? Because, <laughs> I was That's told funny. this week, and God bless the guy, we, 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 we ended on good terms, but I was told that, man, these guys to get fired every four or five years, they should just ask fans what to do. Now, I thought it was a joke. It was not. But it's amazing that people think the NFL is like Madden. It's like they're sitting in front of their PC, their 360, whatever console you're playing on, and you know what to do. It's just crazy. But no, these guys know what they're doing. And I think in this case, to your point, Mo, you can get a guy. Yeah, he's got injury. But again, is it better than what you have? Number one. And is the upside and the risk worth it? Right. So you you there's risk reward in everything in life and including in business, including in the NFL. So you have to look at risk reward to your point. The risk is, yeah, he gets injured. OK, um, the other side of that risk is you got two guys who can't do it consistently. So which one would you rather put in front of your court? I'll take the guy who might get injured a little more than you want him to because at least he's proven that he's going to protect the quarterback. And, and he's a talented guy. He's versatile. I think that, as you mentioned, he's versatile as well. Um, but, but who else out there? Is there anybody else out there that you're seeing? I haven't seen any other rumors associated with the Raiders, but that's, that doesn't mean they're not talking to people. I would imagine Dave Ziegler is talking to a lot of people. Yeah, he you know, who saw the Tyree Gillespie trade? Coming. Uh, I mean, I know that's a low-level trade, but 
Yeah. He's working behind the scenes all the time. He's always working to improve the roster. I believe most GMs are, but some people are quick to shoot down these rumors. And I would say I could see the I could see the Raiders sniffing around at Isaiah Wynn because guess who was the offensive coordinator when the Patriots drafted him in the first round? Josh McDaniel. So apparently Josh McDaniels liked something about him uh, when mm-hmm. they drafted him. I believe it was 2018. So I, I could see during the joint practices, Josh McDaniels kind of nudging Belichick, like, hey, you know. How much is that win gonna, <laughs> gonna cost me? You know, like well, you're, how, how's that guy. going? Yeah, exactly. you know, like how how much is that gonna cost? And if yeah. Belichick says, "Well, we want a first round pick and a player," then you say, "Yeah, I, we're good on that one." Yeah. But if Belichick says, "Yeah, give me a third round pick," I'm like, "Okay, that's not not bad. I'll it, take it, that offer." Right, and and it's funny you talk about Belichick because I'm watching all the media coverage, and. I'm watching Belichick talking about how he's using offices there, and I'm like, I'm surprised. I mean, look, you 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 extend the professional courtesy, but knowing what we know about what the Patriot, Patriots have done in the past, I mean, is there guys rummaging through the file cabinets? Like, I, he's like Nixon. He's like, I'm looking for the playbook, right? So, so I, it, it, to me though, it's really I, I know they're close, but you're still comp- you're in the same conference. It's not like it's the NFC and the only chance you're going to see somebody is in the Super Bowl, right? Unless you're playing that division that year. But to me, it's kind of, it's very interesting. I mean, yeah, they're close, but now you're competitors. So um, Bill Belichick's not going to give Josh McDaniels a slide and a good deal on a guy. It's, it is what it is. The Patriots won't even name their offensive coordinator. (laughs) <laughs> they're a shrewd organization. They're, I would look to see who's is, – is their offensive coordinator hiding in the back room somewhere? Is, do they have someone planted somewhere on uh, in the box seats? You got to consider everything with Bill Belichick. But to bring it back to your point, I, I think, yes, just because they work together for so long doesn't mean he's going to cut Josh McDaniels a deal. But what it does do is they have a communication that other head coaches don't have together. And yeah. I think that helps when you're trying to work a trade deal because you saw the Patriots do a lot of moves with the Texans. Nick Casario, who Danny Heifetz just mentioned in our previous segment, uh, is the GM at the Texans. So it makes sense that him coming from New England, that the Texans do a lot of business with the Patriots. So I think it helps with the Raiders. If the Raiders want a player from the Patriots roster and they want help from the offensive line, I a deal could happen. I'm not saying it will. This is not breaking news. Don't run to Twitter and say, yes, Mo said that the Raiders – or acquire Isaiah Wynn, but what I am saying is that if, if the Patriots were going to trade Isaiah Wynn, I would put the Rays at the top of that, near the top of that list as a team that could acquire him. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, so Mo, we're gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna close the show. We're gonna talk about this one last time because I, 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 we talked about it with Danny the the whole Tom Brady thing. I had some folks on Twitter today saying because to, to 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 the credit yesterday at the press conference, Vinny Bonsignor. Uh, my former colleague over at Raider Nation Radio and at the RJ, he asked the question of Derek Carr. Then suddenly the audio for the broadcast of the Raiders went on the fritz and nobody could hear the answer. Uh, So I don't know why the Raiders are cutting that off. It makes no sense. It's a real question. He's going to be asked the question more by national media when they get a chance, trust me. Um, But Vinny asked a question, which he should have, and there was a lot of backlash. Why are you even bringing that up? Well, it's a story. You ask the question once and you move on. It's not hard. It's not, it's not rocket science. You just ask the question. But the fascinating piece of this, there's two things that fascinate me about it. The Raiders have moved on. Obviously, it didn't happen. 
it doesn't matter at this point because they have their quarterback for the moment now with Derek Carr. They've committed to him somewhat, and they're moving forward. But that story and how that could have changed the dynamic in Las Vegas with the Raiders um, is something to explore because we were told by a lot of people, including some of these same reporters who cover the team, that it was all crap, that it was nothing, none of it was real. Some of them have changed their story now and said, no, we, knew, we were hearing things. But that's okay. I mean, people, people aren't always on top of the story. But a lot of fans who love Derek Carr um, were quick to just talk about how ridiculous it was and all this kind of stuff. So now we found out about it. I think those are the same fans that are mad that people are talking about it. But for you, why is it a story? And what is it a story that, what does it tell us about the Raiders under John Gruden that we already, that we didn't know or that we already did know? Well, number one at the top, I just want to separate it between fans and people in the media like us. Yeah. We're looking at it as this is a story because of the people involved. This is John Gruden, this is Derek Carr, Tom Brady, arguably the best quarterback in, in NFL history. So this is obviously a story. And Rob Gronkowski. And Rob Gronkowski, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Right. So these are great players involved, uh, a head coach with a big personality. So this is obviously a story. It took over Twitter when it broke, when Gronkowski and Dana White were talking about it. It literally took over social media. So, of course, mm -hmm. it's a story. But fans don't want to hear about it because it doesn't have any bearing on them. So guys like Kevin Wynn, shout out to him who listens to the show. Mm -hmm. enjoy our interactions on social media guys like people like him aren't interested because they're dealing with the now and that's the dogs barking behind me for no reason um they <laughs> want to deal with the now they want to say okay we're looking forward we don't care what deal could have happened but didn't because it has no effect on the 2022 season that's how they're looking at it and i understand that but it's a big story because if you look at it john gruden it's the why why didn't john gruden want to do the go through with the deal why did he nix it and, yeah. and Danny Heifetz kind of brought it up briefly in, in our discussion with him, saying that it was probably a control thing. Tom Brady is now 45 years old. He was in his 40s then when that deal could have happened. At this point in his career, he's accomplished so much. He has more Super Bowl wins than John Gruden. He's probably going to come in and say, look, I know what it looks like to win a Super Bowl. I know what it takes. Follow my lead. Not necessarily follow my lead, but give me more control of how things go offensively. As we know, John Gruden likes to have the reins offensively. So John Gruden perhaps may have thought, we're going to butt heads here. Derek Carr and Tom Brady don't have the same accomplishments. I know that's hard to believe. But they don't have the same accomplishments. And Derek Carr is more of the type that's going to follow what John Gruden wants. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously because Carr doesn't have the same accomplishments as a John Gruden or a Tom Brady. But if Tom Brady comes in, He's going to want major input, probably. And I, and I feel like that's where there was maybe friction when he even went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Bruce Arians, even though yeah. Bruce Arians yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is accomplished. But Tom Brady is going to want to have some control over the offense, and I don't think Gruden was ready to relinquish that. I think that's the important part. Yeah, and, and that's it, too. The story of those two guys, they went to Tampa. We know what happened now. If they had gone to the Raiders, would they have won a Super Bowl? I don't think they were as good as the Buccaneers, in, especially in a couple key spots. So that's another right. part of the story. The other side of the story, of course, is the HBO clip. When, when apparently, now we don't know for sure, but it sure now 
you know, one and one usually equals two. Sometimes you can throw something in there and it'll change the equation. But it sounds like he was talking about Derek Carr when he said, oh, you're going to go with that mf -er. Now, I don't look at mm -hmm. that as him, you know, saying something terribly bad about Derek Carr. That's the competitive guy, right? right? Do you think Michael Jordan, who got along with certain players really well, didn't call those guys an mf -er on the court? Of course he did. It was about winning. So when it looks through that, the, 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 the lens of a winner who wants to win another championship, everybody sucks and everybody's not as good as I am because that's how you, that's how you win. That's how winners do it. So I don't look at it as, as some big slight on Derek Carr. I look at it as him being confident in his own abilities. So I think people are framing it as like, this, Ooh, oh my gosh, he called him that. It's like, it's no big deal. That, that happens on the football field all the time. So I think that part of it, too, is, is actually being played up a little more, uh, and it's being a negative to Derek Carr, and I don't think it is. Right, and and that's I think that's what's going to rub people the wrong way. Is, is like, oh, the, the word he used, and they're going to get caught up on that. But as you said, I think it's just the competitive nature. Quick personal story. Before Bleacher Report, before I was on there, before I was on these platforms and being Mo Moten, I applied to be a Raiders editor at, I believe it was on um, one of the fan sided sites, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, and then I, you know, I put it in my application and, you know, had a writing sample and all of that stuff. And they didn't choose me, right? I got to like the final round of selections and they didn't choose me, went with someone else. And I was just like, Oh, you're going with that that person? Now that's not a shot at anybody <laughs> at at because I know people are gonna Come click on, this. It's like, oh, who most, was it? most, oh, most talking about Brad Weiss. It wasn't Brad Weiss. Me and Brad Weiss are cool. I actually wrote on just Blog Baby under Brad Weiss, and he's a great mm -hmm. guy. We, we're cool. We both live on the East Coast. I believe he's in Jersey. It wasn't him, but um, <laughs> and and it wasn't Nick. I think Nick was the previous guy. Point wasn't him either. But there was like a transition period. But anyway, that, mm -hmm. that's besides the point. But my thing was me being a competitive person and you believing in your skills, thinking you're the best person for the job or best person for a position or a spot. Yeah. If they pick someone else, you're naturally going to be like, oh, you're going with that guy over me. Now, he used the MF word. But it's just kind of like, oh, you're going with that dude over me. You're sticking with that guy over me. I, yeah. You know, I'm good. I can do this job, too. So it's kind of like that. And I'm just going to relate it to myself. And anyone else who's applied for a job position and you got passed over by someone else, there's a little bit inside you. If you're a competitive person who strives, there's a little bit inside you that says, oh, you're picking that person over me. Right. You know, that, I think that's what Tom Brady felt. Yeah, that, that's the thing, too. I, I remember dating my wife, and there was this millionaire after her, and he said the same thing about me when she agreed to marry me, so I don't know. <laughs> so you're the MF <laughs> I kid, but but yeah, I mean, listen, we do it all the time, right? Well, I mean, listen, we, 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 we get along with people that we technically compete with, right? Because we're, we're all right. in this game, journalism, podcasting, broadcast, whatever you want to call it content creation and we do it and, and I wish everybody well but we also want to win right so you want to win and so it's not a personal thing very rarely in my view in business uh even in competitive sports do you get into a situation where you have some personal issues and we all have a couple of those right uh and so so that happens but but yeah I don't think it's any big deal and and I I, I just want Raider fans our great listeners and, and viewers out there to realize 
that that's a big story because you're talking about, as Danny mentioned earlier, the greatest quarterback ever and Rob Gronkowski, Hall of Famer. And in Vegas, add the Vegas thing. People forget about it. Add Las Vegas. Team in their first year in Las Vegas goes out and gets those two guys. That would have been massive. It would have been massive. Now, there was nobody in the stadium to watch them, which would have been disastrous at that time. Maybe that would have changed their mind. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but still, it's, it's an interesting story. Does it have any bearing on this season? Of course not. Uh, but but I think the news cycle should probably peter out now as it is on our show. So we're done with that. But that's how it is. By the way, I gotta tell, I'll, I'm going to tell a quick personal story. You and Kelly always make fun of me for being older. Um, we got a little puppy, a little beagle, right, whose name is Scout. And so it's like having a baby in the house, right? It has to go out constantly at night. So my wife's been doing it because I'm working early in the morning. So I said, oh, I'll get up, I'll get him. So I go to get him, I take him downstairs, take him outside, front of the house. I come back in, and I put him down, and then the cat runs out, and the dog chases the cat. It's like a jet. So I go to grab the dog, and I tumble down the stairs, man. I just tumbled <laughs> down the stairs. So sometimes age catches up with you, Bo, and uh, I don't know why I told that story, but it just popped in my Scott, head. So there you go. Scott didn't. Didn't have to go on the PUP list, didn't have to go on IR, fell down the stairs, and still made it to the show. Trooper. Definitely I'm a, a gamer. trooper right there. I'm a gamer. Definitely. Although, although my 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 wife started making fun of me too. So she's <laughs> like, oh my God, what's it gonna be like when you're 70? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It keep me away from steps. Uh, but the good news is uh, the Raiders continue to stay healthy, right? Nobody's falling downstairs, knock on wood, all that stuff. Um, and uh, we're getting geared up. Mo, tomorrow we're going to talk about the game coming up against the Patriots, kind of what we need to see some, from some guys as we get ready for the big roster cut coming up after this contest. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Again, about running backs now, that they've trimmed that down a little bit, about the wide receivers, and then those defensive backs uh, and linebacker too. So lots to talk about, uh, and we'll do that. And then we'll also have the mailbag coming up on Friday. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't expect the Raiders stars to play because you have these joint practices, which Derek Carr said on Tuesday are like actual games. So I, being that they had the joint practices with the Patriots, I don't expect to see Derek Carr, Devonta Adams in the final preseason game. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, so gr thank you for being with us on a Wednesday. I know we're used to Tuesday, Thursday, but here we are Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're gluttons for punishment after what? Five shows, four shows last week, whatever it was. Uh, but we appreciate you being with us. Mo, we will talk to you tomorrow. Talk to you tomorrow. Hopefully good news or no news, no bad news. We don't need any injuries <laughs> at these practices. No fighting at these practices, guys. No there fighting. you go. No fights. I was I was going to say that. What are the odds that there's some kind of fight? But anyway, uh, listen, we're going to step aside and take some rest. And then we'll be back with you tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on YouTube, subscribe. Hit the notifications bell. We certainly appreciate that. For Mo Moten, I am Scott Goldbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We will talk to you tomorrow, Raider Nation. Take care.